1: only from Rustolium. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. Sign up for ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and bonus episodes by becoming a paid subscriber at DecodingTV.com. Thanks to everyone at Decoding TV who makes this show possible.
0: You ever see a movie, Vanilla Sky, with, like, Tom Cruise, and it's about cryopreservation?
1: Okay, is that the one that has the Matrix in it?
0: No, I think that's The Matrix.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. Uh, I am David Chen. I'm Patrick Klopik. And we are here for This Week in Streaming, a Decoding TV podcast, where each week, This Week in Streaming covers a show that's new and interesting in the world of streaming. We generally tell you if it's worth watching, and if it is, we review and spoil and discuss the entire season of the show. This week, we're going to be discussing the final season of HBO's How To with John Wilson. Next week, our plan is to discuss the new Netflix original series, One Piece. All eight eight episodes of One Piece are streaming right now. We're going to be discussing the first three or four of them. Um, So that's what you can look forward to next week here on This Week in Streaming. But we also have some other uh, stuff that we're we're gonna try to make uh, this week. We got a, a potential bonus episode cooking. Uh, also, Patrick Klepek, I, I have to say, we got a lot of great feedback about our Ahsoka conversation. In fact, uh, the great feedback came not only in the form of messages, but also the fact that that episode got more downloads than pretty much anything else that's happened on the feed Ugh, and of course capitalism. last week. <laughs> So So uh, here's a, here's the a plan with Ahsoka. We are going to try. So Patrick Klepek. Uh, he is going to be my second chair on Decoding TV for the foreseeable future. And as a result, uh, Patrick and I are just trying a bunch of new things. You know, you know, when you're in a new relationship, you just like to you like to try a bunch of stuff. You know, you try a bunch of stuff together. Like, oh, no,
0: this guy's going to watch all of Ahsoka. And the the, <laughs> the the viewers, the the listeners also are going to Ah, Dave's also going to watch this show
1: indeed indeed so we don't we don't know if any of it's going to work or be interesting or if anyone's going to download and listen to it uh but what we're going to try to do is rather than devote like full episodes to ahsoka we're going to try to do ahsoka mini sodes where we kind of check in every couple episodes see how the show's going ahsoka sodes yeah uh so (laughs) you can look look forward to that we're going to be discussing episodes three and four uh soon as well so uh uh That's something else you can expect on your feed very, very shortly. Uh, But yeah, you can always find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about all of the episodes that we'll be releasing in the near future, because it's going to be some different formats, some new topics. Uh, It should be a lot of fun. It should be pretty interesting, but we're always curious to hear what you have to say. Decodingtv at gmail.com. And of course, follow us across all channels at Decoding TV, including at YouTube, where we often broadcast live. Uh, and on Instagram and on Threads, we're at Decoding TV uh, and uh, TikTok as well. Okay. So, today, it's How To with John Wilson. Now, uh, we didn't do a- an initial intro episode for this because, as I discussed before, it's a pretty short series. Six 30-minute long episodes. This is the final season, season three. Uh, why don't we start by just talking about our overall reflections on the show, Patrick? There's not really going to be a spoiler section, you know, because... The shows are uh, the episodes really defy <laughs> summary, in my opinion. So, we're going to just reflect on like our overall thoughts and then kind of dive into some of our favorite moments from this season of the show. Patrick Klepek, let's get into it. What do you think overall of how to with John Wilson?
0: I, I gotta admit, um, I try not to look at the titles of the episodes before I click on them because the reveal is like kind of fun, but like, where, where am I going today? And I ha- I really wanted at some point, especially because a lot of this show was produced, uh, like overlapping with, with COVID, uh, was like, Hey, a lot of people started podcasts and I really wanted John Wilson to go <laughs> how to record a, how to start a podcast. That's like my <laughs> one, I just want to start with my one disappointment was like, where would that episode have gone if John Wilson decided it was time to finally uh, do what every other <laughs> white person in the world is doing and starting a podcast, but but
1: but but, but Patrick, there's no weird, bizarre, intense personalities in the po- <laughs> in the podcasting world, so I don't know. I don't know how that would have gone, honestly.
0: Uh, how John Wilson is, I mean, it defines categorization by like calling it a documentary series is both true and also i think incredibly <laughs> misleading Like i think there's actually something uh kind of interesting about having watched telemarketers and then talking no. about how did uh with john wilson back to back because yes they they fit within this format of a person holding a camera trying to find answers um and that is happening across both of these shows but Dist- distinctly in both of them, like characters and like the character, the people holding the camera are themselves subjects of the documentary in a very intimate uh, way. They the, right. the show does not exist without them. Your interest in the show is is very reliant, or at least like the ceiling of your interest in the show is going to be deeply reliant. Like, do, uh, can you stand the? Per- and it's not hard for me to imagine someone finding John Wilson kind of chafing or annoying like there's a cadence to his like it's very deliberate like how much of it is john wilson the person how much is it john wilson uh, like performing a version of himself i don't know but nonetheless uh it hit every mark every season for me part of what i found so interesting about it is uh one of the things that uh one of my colleagues rob zachney likes to make fun of me for uh when we were at waypoint and i was doing a lot more feature writing was that when I would hand a piece over to him and uh, largely I was kind of off on my own writing about what was interesting, what I thought was interesting. And I would often find myself going down rabbit holes of people trying to do obscure time consuming accomplishments in video games, uh, hopefully spanning close to a decade, the longer the better Um, and trying to unpack why do these people do what they do? What motivates them? them to do that. And he would always crack. I was like, Oh great. Here's another article that Patrick's turning in about someone who's doing a thing for 10 years that nobody's going to read. And he would say, it's a good story. Well, wow. like it's an intimate, so, sounds like a toxic work environment there, Patrick, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but he's not
1: wrong. I didn't disagree with him,
0: but w- what I found, and, and in... you got it,
1: you got to I'm sorry. You got to give some examples of what you're talking about. Patrick.
0: Oh, like,
1: let me try and, Ugh. I mean, the the ones I've seen are people who, uh do speed runs right so they'll beat yes. they'll uh, beat like a uh, you know Boulder's gate 3 in like 90 minutes or something I was something, just trying to
0: find know? one of mine the 8 year journey to solve an obscure chibi robo fan theory why chibi robo fans spent hours mashing a nearly impossible button combination not knowing if it would do anything at all and that <laughs> s- uh, summarizes a lot of what as you gave me an increasingly longer leash to just write about what i wanted i found myself turning my own personal camera to stories like that stuff that I can't guarantee it's going to go viral, but I feel like there's a compelling personal story here. And it seemed like a lot of that is what motivated John Wilson throughout these three seasons and this kind of chaotic nature of where the camera would go, in which the premise was really just a premise to go out into the world and then almost like a squirrel, like hearing, like seeing a shiny object, like would just point the camera somewhere else, but always, always centered people and kind of the kinds of people that normally wouldn't be on camera and realizing those people frequently had stories to tell um, that were like far more interesting than the one that would be the shiny object. And so it's like the best I never lived in New York, never had much interest in living in in New York was not like a city uh, uh, that was like on my, on my, on my bucket list. But I don't know that I've seen a better portrayal of what it must be like to actually live in a place Mm -hmm. than the three seasons of this show. I feel like it is such a, I think it exists and is interesting beyond the boundaries of being a cultural analysis or reflection of New York City. But like seen through that lens, I think it is a like a masterwork in showing you like how does a city actually work? Who are the people? What is it like to walk down the street? Um, And seen across three seasons, uh, I think it's just a remarkable accomplishment for understanding places and people, which in theory is the mission of a lot of documentaries but so frequently either because that's the style or deliberately the approach there's a there's an inter, uh there's a distance between like the subject and the documentarian um and here like the intimacy is the point um and it wouldn't
1: work without it really beautifully said as usual patrick and i completely agree with uh everything i realize you know usually i save the recap until after we've given our initial thoughts, but I should have done it before this time because this is just a very general summary we have, which is a how-to of John Wilson is a three-season documentary series where in each episode, documentarian John Wilson sets out to answer a basic question, how to find a public restroom, how to clean your ears, etc. But in reality, it's an intimate portrait of life's beautiful mundanity with Wilson taking the episode's original premise and frequently pivoting in new, unexpected, and always interesting directions. He drops topics and subjects at the top of the hat, with a drop of the hat, I should say, giving the show the chaotic feel that's regularly calmed by Wilson's quirky voice. He intersperses observations on the complexities and contradictions of navigating life with countless shots of his time walking the streets of New York. Ultimately, it's a show that cares about normal people, why they are the way they are, and reveals that everyone, given a chance, has something fascinating to say. Now, I think that the reason why the New York part is so compelling is because New York, in many ways, is a stand-in for humanity, or Mm. America. You know, it's... It contains people from so many different walks of life, probably the most walks of life out of anywhere else in this country. You know, uh, it is just a place where you can find people who are interested in everything, who have come from all different kinds of backgrounds. And what's great about the show is he will go down metaphorical rabbit holes. He will meet people. And then I don't, I don't know how it happens in real life. But on the show, he he says, hey, can I go over to your house? And then the person says, (laughs) yep, that's fine. And then next thing you know, they're at their house and, uh, you know, he's filming their house and meeting their relatives and their friends and so on and so forth. There's a couple Uh, of times in season three in particular where he leaves,
0: like, a couple extra beats. Like, there must be countless times in the show and the production where he's told no – or there's an awkward encounter that doesn't like result in getting in the door somewhere. And so it feels very seamless to you as the viewer, because that's what the edit, like the work is getting enough together that it can feel like a cohesive journey and that it's seamless. And you're just following him from one point to the other. When in reality, my guess is it's a little choppier along, along the way. But there was like a moment in season three where he's following the pizza guy around and like the people are throwing a party. And he's like, are you throwing a party like she's like very clearly like why do you have a camera like get like like she's being nice but like clearly put off by his presence and the camera um or when he goes behind uh when he visits his old college and just like tries to go behind that frat like i heard there's a party there and the guys are really hostile and like attempt to like like threaten to to, to beat him up there's not he leaves in a couple more instances of that as part of a season three which like does a lot of kind of like rule breaking for like his format across the season that. I think it gives you a little more of a glimpse into the production side, but you're right. Like this ability, he does have an uncanny ability to just get people to open up, which is a remarkable feat. Not everybody can do that. And a camera doesn't just get people to start talking to you.
1: Completely agree. I am always so curious about the making of the show. How did it come together? Uh, generally, Uh, For those who are unfamiliar with documentary filmmaking, uh, there's like a producer who arranges interviews. Uh, He alludes to his team or his producers at various times during the show. You never really see or have access to them, right? Um, But also, uh, whenever a face is shown on a television show in a documentary, generally that person has signed a release, right? Which is why sometimes faces are blurred out in the show. But then there's other, there's sometimes where you're watching the show and it feels like getting a release was impossible in this situation, like the frat situation or this random girl that he's delivering the pizza to. And I'm always like, did he get those people to sign releases? Like why weren't there? Cause look? you
0: have that, that yeah. great moment on when he's on campus and he goes to the bar and he's like chatting with these girls outside of it. And they're like, you're not from HBO. And I I have to imagine, again, I don't know the process, but I do wonder, it's like, there's a producer there, they're marking down all this information meticulously, and then someone goes back and is like, here is like, like, when you have like a separate person with like a a legal document, maybe that makes it feel a little more real than just like, I mean, look, we see John Wilson like half naked. It's like, if that guy showed up with a camera, one, I understand how you could feel disarmed and
1: two, I could also understand why you'd feel like profoundly
0: uncomfortable about this person asking you questions.
1: I'm just so curious about all the behind this, you know, I'm, my mind is always, as I'm watching, I'm always thinking about what actually occurred to get this image onto the screen. I wish right? there was a camera it, following John Wilson's camera,
0: because <laughs> I think right. there would be an episode, like 40 minutes, that would be fascinating on its own to understand how the show Is is actually made for as many insights as we kind of get over the course of season three? Literally, like a not tongue in cheek, but just practical brass tacks. How how do we pull this? How do you how do you
1: how do you find the B roll? Because he apparently has a team shooting the B roll now. He said that he said oh I
0: why'd you tell me that oh it's wrong (laughs) that ruined some of the illusion oh I hate it oh I hate it even though that makes way more sense than the idea of John Wilson just walking around New York endlessly every day getting these amazing little slices of life.
1: He has uh, co-writers on the show now, you know, which he didn't necessarily have at the beginning. Um, But yeah, that's something that's always on my mind is like, yeah, how, how is he getting these shots? Is somebody going and getting a release signed? And if so, how accurate is what we're seeing? Like how, how true to life is what we're seeing uh, compared to how it's presented? Uh, This is something that Nathan Fielder, who is a executive producer on the series his work always makes me do. It makes me question the nature of my reality. It makes me question whether what we're watching is actually accurate. And this is something that How To John Wilson does all the time. But despite all of that, I think what is true, what you've already pointed out, is he is uncannily good at getting people to talk about stuff. And this is a question that was asked of him by AV Club. Uh, he did an interview with AV Club, and I'm going to read from parts of it throughout the course of this episode. He's he's asked the question... Um, one of the things you really do well throughout the show is getting these niche communities and you get those involved uh, in them to be quite self-revealing. Talk a little bit about building that kind of rapport to which John Wilson responds. Sure. You know, I've struggled with a certain amount of social anxiety throughout my life. And the best tool that I feel like one could have when they're dealing with something like that is just to ask questions. Just don't stop asking questions. Because then you don't have to talk about yourself as much. I think people (laughs) in general respond really well to that. I think just having a genuine curiosity and not really playing a character when you're with someone intimately is really important. You just get a vibe from someone pretty quickly as to whether or not they would be open to revealing certain things. But if you spend enough time with someone, the walls kind of erode and you get to a much deeper place than you would have if it was just like an hour-long interview, end quote. Um, he's also talked about keeping production small. So it's just him and the other person. Um, so there's no one else that they can really see. Um, and, and talks about how like he opens up as well. He opens up about his life as well, but the end result and, and, and you, you often see he goes to people's houses. He spends hours with these people filming them for hours of which we only see three minutes in the final episode. And I think, uh, this does make for really revealing portraits of all these people throughout New York. So I agree with you. I think this series is a masterpiece. Season three, as you mentioned, does do a little bit of fourth wall ru- rule breaking. It does feel a little bit like he's running out of steam. I, think. I feel like, like it, does... it feels like a
0: lot like he's running oh, really? <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> out of okay. steam. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay, Not in a way that I found that I think it's still well worth watching. I think it's an excellent season of television. But it's almost a creator admitting to themselves, like the work is over. How, like, how do I bring the work to a conclusion? Um, and and yeah. how he does that, I think, is really fascinating and worth unpacking.
1: But yeah, he plays with the with his format and his rules a little bit, and. Uh, and you kind of get the sense that, hey, th- this this idea has maybe come as long as it is going to go or, or gone as long as it's going to go. Uh, but that said, season three is great. The whole series is, is as you said, a masterpiece. I think uh, I agree with that. Um, but it also feels like a show that went out at the exact correct time. You know, yes. th- this is a show that it's like, hey, uh, they, they made something really special. And they extended the format to work it could go and now they're done and we can admire it for hopefully years to come until Max removes it from the streaming service for a tax write-off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so those are our overall thoughts on how to with John Wilson. Patrick Klepik, let's talk about some of our specific thoughts on this season and if there were any specific moments or ideas that stood out to you. One of the things that's great about this show is I think it showcases both the breadth and the depth of humanity. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some things are like a mile wide and an inch deep, but this is not that. It will go a mile wide and a mile deep because you know and 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 really the the example of the episode that 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 kind of demonstrates this is the f- finale how to track your package uh which begins by talking about packages and getting them shipped and and ends with um him talking about this guy who castrated himself like he he talks with this guy who Self castrated and plot twist. It's, not it's a, was
0: not was not ready for that level of intimacy from from
1: from that person. And it's a really, it it's it, one of the great things about the show is it invites you to experience people in their fullness. Hey, mm-hmm. that's a random per that's a random weird looking person on the side of the street. Here is a person that's screaming obscenities on the street corner that you would otherwise pass by and would occupy three seconds of your day. What if we spent three hours with that person and presented you the most intimate, searing portrait of them that we could uh, in a few minutes? I mean, that's what the show does and that's what makes it really special. But yeah, that's one of the things I really appreciated was how deep it goes in addition to how wide it spreads its net. Uh, Curious if you have have thoughts on that or if that was your experience as well, Patrick.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, Everyone's lived a life, but no one thinks their life is particularly interesting, but what you will find i think with the show
1: i mean speak for yourself,
0: but you know <laughs> I think what the show demonstrates or but people don't like usually don't like to talk about themselves right um and so either you don't think your life is very interesting or you know to talk about yourself is seen as you know egotistical, and so like it requires another person to bring that out of you. I mean, I think that explains a lot of, like, you know, intimate, like, uh, personal, like, friendships or relationship with others. Like, is a chance to share a part of your life with other people. But when you walk down the street, you could, you could pluck anybody. And this is what the show does. Like, it uses, you know, convoluted ways to get there, like, you know, uh, a convention or or what have you. But, like, it's just the equivalent of walking down the street and pointing your finger at someone and saying, let's just go talk to them and see what their life is all about and like everyone, everyone, everyone has lived a life and then a journey existed along that way of what got you there. And I think part of what makes the show so interesting is just how relatable those journeys are. Like it may be people at, you know, I think the highlight of, um you know, the, it might be the highlight of the, the whole series for me, but certainly of the season when like, is, you know, the vacuum convention um which uses, and the show does this a lot, which is uses a, almost like a visual gag. Like I, like I cannot believe this kind of person exists. It's almost as if like, how often do you see, you know, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone else uh, being a, a writer or reporter and what you're trying to get people to click on stories to uh, like have ads run through, but like, or on social media where any number of the subjects featured in this show, like the big pumpkin or the vacuum convention, would just be like a screenshot and like, can you believe this fucking exists? And there'd be a video clip of the big vacuum. And be like, wow, like that's wild. And there's like 30 people who meet up in Scranton, Pennsylvania to like go do that. Can't believe that exists. And then it stops there. Like that's where it's, it's the surface level. It's the visual gimmick. It's, I, I can't, like, I can't believe that exists in the world. And that's where most of that level of examination stops. Where this show is always so beautiful is that, It just, it uncomfortably keeps going. It like keeps the camera situated. It keeps John Wilson there where, you know, he arrives at that vacuum convention and discovers he can't figure out who won the contest for a couple of days because that's at the ending ceremony. Most like articles like would not stay for three days and find out the end of that. Um, And that's where he gets the intimacy. That's where he gets, you know, somebody to open up about their relationship with their father and how that relates to their, you know, it tries to, like, it tries to unpack, which like, doesn't quite seem to rise to like a, a sexual kink, but exists in like the same sort of like abstract sort of. I don't understand my attraction to this object and yet I have it. And I found others to share it with. It's
1: has a lot in common with the avatar episode.
0: um, Right. It's it's
1: it's like a spiritual successor to the avatar episode. And it's also really interesting that the overwhelmingly vast majority of the people who collect the vacuums are men. Right. That was a thing that. Yes. uh, That was revealed during the episode. Um, Yes. And it
0: doesn't necessarily have answers to those, but it invites the questions. and, And importantly, does not. It doesn't tell you not to laugh. It knows that what's being shown um has some visual humor to it but i think what it what it does more so than i would guess any other show that was given if you gave 10 shows the same premise like go make a, something out of this convention John Wilson's the only one that comes back uh not turning those people into a joke um you might still yeah, think it's sort of a silly I, endeavor and right. it's not the show doesn't shy away from being like this is sort of strange but it also like you said paints them as full people
1: um Yeah, I kind of want to talk to you about that. First of all, something you said reminds me of something that John Wilson said in in, in the interview with the AV Club. He says, if you extend any shot from a reality show for three seconds per shot, it'll feel more like this. It'll feel really, really weird, Uh, end quote. Uh, Which I think, I I don't know if I would agree with like that exact assessment of like a reality show extended, but you're right. This is what happens when you leave the camera rolling after- Whoa, what a big vacuum. You know, like that's usually where the viral video would end on TikTok. But like this is like what happens when we talk with all the people and get to know them and their personal histories, you know? Right. That's or like th- th- a a small
0: I I can't remember where I heard this from, but it's a, a small tip I've kept in my life is, you know, we have cameras that can take photos and videos of our family members. You know, as a parent, I'm constantly taking photos and videos of my kids. And if you like scroll through, if you look at the second count on most of those, it's going to be five, 10 seconds. Like you're capturing a hyper specific moment. And that's so different from if you, if you had a home, I don't know if you had a home video camera growing up, David, um, that your parents, uh, have, but like, if you watch those tapes, dad, like you will not turn off this camera. Like that's common. It goes for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, Uh half an hour. Like the clips are extraordinarily long. And, watching those clips capture more of my life growing up than what like these little clips of my my kids do it captures a moment but it doesn't capture an atmosphere. And so one thing I've been trying to consciously do is let's say my kid is is about to do something instead of just capturing the 10 seconds, I like try to capture for like 30, 45 seconds, a minute. Like try to capture a little bit more of what was happening in that moment beyond what's right in front of you. And that's a lot of what John Wilson does to an extreme, right? Like is to is to never turn off that camera, which is what it feels like. It seems very rare that he's ever hitting. I don't know if it's still a big red button, like it used to be on the cameras when I was growing up, but whatever the equivalent is these days, it's very rare that he's hitting off. Um, um He must have an, yeah. an extremely large digital hard drive attached to that. I'd be curious <laughs> the mechanics of how,
1: how he is storing all all of that on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Uh, Patrick Klepik is collecting... Material for a future how-to of Patrick Klepik, sounds like. Um, (laughs) I mean, but honestly, like,
0: I would... Like, I would pay anything, like, to have, like, John Wilson, just, like, come to Chicago. Just, like, could you just do a Chicago episode? Like, I would, like, I'm glad the show is over, like, because you should end a work where you feel like you've said what you had to say. But, man, like, because of the way he's able to pull such intimacy about different things, I would would have would love like some sort of anthology series where he could have gone to different places that mean more to me personally to learn more about those places through him. Cause it feels like you go through a Wikipedia hole with him, but on a very intimate level, as opposed to the kind of abstract level that that's reading a Wikipedia entry.
1: I want to ask you a little bit about the tone of the show. There was a question that was asked of him in this AV club interview. Uh, You take things that aren't serious. Seriously. I keep thinking about the vacuum cleaner collectors. You approach them seriously with curiosity, which is not how most people would. And then John Wilson responds. Yeah, I hope that compassion translates in a way, because, you know, I can definitely be a cynic about certain things. But the work is also a way for me to get over those hurdles in my head and figure out what part of all of us is in this very niche thing, because it's all there. Even the self-castration guy. I feel like I identify with him more than I do like Ryan Seacrest or something. I feel like Ryan Seacrest is a weirder character to me than that guy. End quote, which, (laughs) which true. Uh, But I find myself a little bit torn about uh, the tone of the show, Patrick. I'm not going to lie because on the one hand, I think he's, he's right that I don't think John Wilson is laughing at these people. You know, like deep down, I don't think he's laughing at these people. Uh, I think he has, a lot of compassion and curiosity for these people. But I think people are often rendered in such a way that they are, uh, shown as objects of ridicule. You know, I'm not saying every, I'm not saying every subject, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. think that this, I don't think that it necessarily applies to the vacuum people, you know? And I think the show at its best shows you a group of people that your initial impulse is to laugh at them. And then, the show makes you realize why you're wrong to do so that's great when the show does that, but there's a lot of times when it doesn't do that it doesn't have the time to do that. so it just shows you a person and you're kind of just like oh what a what a weirdo that person
0: is' um, well, and I'm I'm be sure, you- like in in that same episode with the the cryo uh like freezing the show leaves you the impression that most people here are a little. <laughs> Like I think you're left to sort of think they're this a little is they're a, a little off maybe potentially. You're I, you know? I mean again you don't put in the sequence with singing the Beatles song. Now granted like that is them doing that to themselves, but but again like
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah journalism he could have left that he could have left that out right. But it, yes, it makes it, it look it makes them look silly right. It's it not a
0: web yeah. it is not a it, he is not uploading raw footage for you to exactly. sort through and then you to make and even then where the camera is pointed is itself like. A form of editing, like yeah. journalism, is a is a personal creative endeavor that is not an objective look at reality. And to think so is to misunderstand, like what it means to right. hold a camera, write an article. Like it is, it, you are you are bringing bias and interpretation. And he does that there. And there are it is, and you bring your own biases. And I think I think you're right. At the show's best, it is trying to push back. It is it uses a framework where it plays into your bias and then tries to disarm you like over the course of right. the arc of that segment
1: but like the the avatar one being a great example the avatar correct. episode where you you look at these people and you you think to yourself wow why would people gather together to discuss the least culturally relevant film of the last two of the last two decades uh this is a laughable enterprise and then of course it hits you it punches a hole through you emotionally when you yeah. realize how much Avatar the James Cameron film means to all these people, how it's been a source of bonding and fellowship for them and how that's often filled a hole in their lives. It's like, wow, that's so deeply moving and and gets at what the best of what pop culture can do for us. Um, So that that's kind of the best of what the show can be, right? In my opinion. But then other times it's just pointing a camera at someone and being like, ha, you know, that person's a little bit silly. And maybe John Wilson doesn't think that they're silly, but I think the net effect of it is that we kind of laugh at some people you know that's kind of my yes. feeling about it yes so it feels like you and i are like completely simpatico on yes. this point right you that in general the show is compassionate and curious but sometimes some of the things leave you feeling a little bit like what what are you doing what are you what are we, do, what, are we do, what are we doing here john wilson you well know? and then you what know and also you here?
0: know so there are so many you know you you know you know mentioned earlier like sort of the extended camera folks that are capturing all these shots like they're all like they're amazing as little capsules of these slices of life but also it runs frequently contrary to the point of the show which is to not gawk mm-hmm. um and yet yeah. the show is full of gawking um uh with, with these random shots in which we are not given any interiority into these people again i don't i think broadly speaking the show is meant to be compassionate empathetic introspective to uh, try and push back on the very natural instinct to make snap judgments about a person based on their immediate, like, visual circumstance that you find them in without any context. But it's meant to be a funny show, too. And, like, it cannot, you know, I don't know if there's a way you can... I think maybe the framework of the show, the tone of John Wilson, like, ultimately, like, it's meant to be kind of funny and as a result you're going to do some gawking that seems to run counter to how john wilson like presents himself when he's with with these people um i that mean, maybe it's just an like an irreconcilable tension in the show but like as a broad work it's like a net like a, it's a net societal positive like you, like you're <laughs> like you're a better yeah. person i, I think you're, you can legitimately be a better person having watched a work like this because you get to spend like, he just gets people to be like the, the thing I'll say about the show for even it's moments where I feel like it's gawking. Um, if you spend half a minute to think about it, these people are being way more honest about themselves, what they care about, why they care about it than most of us are. And they're willing to do it in front of other people and not feel a sense of shame for it. And I think there are a lot of people who have things they'd like to do or like to be fans of or like to express and that can that can take all sorts of different forms uh that can't or don't want to for fear of XYZ. And I think there is a real bravery that runs throughout the show of a uh, people like that, like the vacuum convention, like the I mean it again, it's like he's you say convention. And it's like not you're like 25 people in a room. Like I don't know what like what the de- the uh <laughs> the encyclopedic definition of convention is. Um but like they're there they're sharing a passion and an interest. And like, this is a show that is ultimately frequently about loneliness. And, and, and it's, you're then you get these moments like, this is how people are feeling that. Like, they find other people to connect to. And maybe they go back home and then they're lonely, but they have, they have this to look forward to. And like, that helps them get through the day. Cause a lot of the show is really kind of ultimately about life is hard and like frequently frustrating and confusing and contradictory and lonely. Like, how do all of us reconcile that? Um, and it does that in a very earnest way as opposed to a lot of social media, which is a very performative, uh, like ironic, detached, uh, and how to with John Wilson is like basically running in the complete opposite direction.
1: Well, in, in some regards, right? I mean, we, we were just talking about how the show has a really interesting visual language. Let me give you an example. This is uh, season two, episode one, how to invest in real estate. I'm just going to read to you from the transcript of the episode, right? He says, hey, New York, as we get older, we try to hit certain milestones to feel like we're making progress in life, like adopting your first pet, finally getting your own place, or starting an exciting new career, end quote. So that's just an example of how an episode will begin. Uh, And then during, when he's saying that, you'll see B-roll of the wildest things imaginable. And that's one of the pleasures of the show is... Hearing him say a thing, like trying to get your own place and then trying to figure out why he thought this B-roll was appropriate to show at this time. Like, how does this B-roll represent what he's saying? Maybe it's two pigeons building a nest or something, you know, like, and that's why. Oh, that's why I said, you know, and that's very fun and enjoyable uh, and wh- one of the most unique and and great elements about the show. I did feel like... uh. it it did become a little bit formulaic by the end. You know, it did become a little bit like I I could kind of predict, Oh, yep. This is the part of the show where he says the thing. And, and I did wish that the show kind of mixed it up a little bit more sometimes, like maybe not every single statement needs to have a a piece of B-roll or, or maybe the way you play with B-roll can change as, as the show goes on, but it didn't really. So on the one hand, I think it's, it's really brilliant and, and overall very enjoyable. On the other hand, I, you know I, returning to my earlier point like i do felt like i feel like the idea started running out of steam a little bit yeah uh, it's one of those you.
0: shows that i know is over but i i would love if it was like over with a dot 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 which is that mm-hmm. i think i think what was happening <laughs> in the creative process was time to do another season of the show which is a very i imagine daunting task to come up with a bunch of ideas, start plotting those out because I, I read, a, you know, you've read more than me about the creative process, but I, I remember seeing a quote uh, from him about like, Hey, is it, is it really, you just like wake up one day and then go out, the, go out the door and like the camera's rolling and you figure out an episode. It's like, no, like there's a kind of like a script that like imagines right. where the episode could go so that like uh, producers could reach out to potential interview subjects. And th- there is still a randomness, a, a chaos element to it, but it re- there is, just because of the scope of the show, there is more structure to it than the show itself, uh, like lends itself to it. It, it, it makes it yeah. seem like it's a one person, but like, I guess what I'm saying is like, I would love if a couple of years from now, he, he was able to come back and like, Hey, I like I actually had some like I had more life experiences. There's more things I want to like ask about because I feel like part of what's happening here is like doing it every year. I wasn't quite three years in a row, but like, I think it was over the course of four years maybe, but either way, like, getting out of the formula of having to do a season. I hope that I I hope he doesn't, even if it, how to a John Wilson goes away. I, I hope that John Wilson himself like stays within like wanting to explore topics, even if it ends up in a different format, because he just has such a gift and such an eye. And also he's such a good conversationalist, even if he has like admittedly deep social anxiety, like I have a ton of social anxiety and yet, the, the way i make like most of my money is like talking to other people constantly um life can be contradictory uh that way patrick um,
1: klepik is in agony right now by the way, that, way as you're, as I, you're I listening mean, to this
0: <laughs> it's, it doesn't really what happen on like podcast stuff but like when i go on like stage or something like i was just at pax like and did a and did a, at a panel like right before it's just like ah i'm gonna fuck this one up again and then i don't but like you just there's just something you like it's yeah. kind of like john willis like i just start talking and when I just keep talking, I'm able to suppress that social anxiety and hopefully, yeah. you know, express a, a meaningful thought uh, or two. But I, 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 ho- I just hope we don't lose his voice. I, I hope he is goes on to something in in a similar realm.
1: I would agree with you. I think the show's controlled chaos is a big part of its appeal. This idea that you feel that there are producers, there are writers, and so on, but also that they allow for serendipity. Uh, this biggest example of that is the final episode. He's trying to interview an organ transporter. Like he's trying to figure out how they ship. Like, <laughs> I loved this part, like bodily organs. And accidentally uh, the people, the producers got confused. And so they actually book an interview with somebody who transports the musical instrument. <laughs> organs, Right. And then he talks to that guy. And then just nearby, there happens to be an organ themed restaurant. And so he goes there and meets this guy from Alcor and then goes down this whole cryogenics path. Uh, and that is serendipity. Like uh, they did not plan for that as far as I can tell, right. Uh, according to the, the, his description of how that occurred. Um, but every episode feels like that. Uh, yeah. Like every episode feels like they're just going down the hole. And I think some episodes it's probably more planned than others, but either way, it's however planned it is, it's all disguised to the audience. And I think that's actually a big part of, uh, part of the show is how it disguises the work that goes into it. You know, think of thinking of Christopher Nolan's *The Prestige*, and like the performance is not the actual trick; it's everything leading up to the trick. It's everything making you feel like, oh, we just happened upon this guy. Uh, you know, this happened upon this Avatar convention or whatever it is um that i think really gives the show some of its magic
0: no because you could because you could imagine a different version that cut that stuff out right and it was just like swipe away and like here like you know here's a package of stories we've done and you don't have that connective tissue and it's also why i value so much that that wilson doesn't downplay his role in all of it right where you know very frequently you'll get in you know uh kind of documentaries where they cut out the question from the interviewer, and they there's just the answer, and the, hopefully, in like the editing and context, you'll it'll feel natural. But here, like, part of what I think gives the show its intimacy is you see how Wilson gets to the point of getting someone to say something interesting because he's intimate mm-hmm. himself, and yeah. so that doesn't apply like that doesn't work for everything, it works for this particular show, but you know, maybe part of this is just because I've also spent a career like talking to people and you try to get people to open up to you and say interesting things. And sometimes you succeed and most of the time you fail. Um, like, and then you figure yeah, out, I'm diff-
1: curious, Patrick, is if there's anything you've, you feel you've learned from this, or if, if you feel like you're going to change the way you interview people from now on, because this is something you do quite often in your work.
0: Well, he has an advantage, which I don't, which, uh, is, is time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so frequently the interview subjects I'm speaking with, Someone that works on a game in sort of a planned setting. It's like here's your fifteen like minutes. You have twenty
1: minutes to talk with this person, and then uh, the PR person is going to start making a wrap it up sign after fifteen minutes. Pretty
0: right, much. right. And you do it long enough that hopefully, you know, if you have repeat, you know, interviews with someone, you have a rapport that you can kind of hit the ground running, or you chat with somebody where like immediately you ha- you can tell that you have a good vibe with them and that you can skip some of the three questions of trying to feel some. I- so there's it's tough for me to like apply any of it to my own own work. But it, the thing that it made me think of was one of the exercises they had us do in college where I went to to school for, for journalism was um, they're like, uh, just go talk to, there's like a concert happening like on campus and people like, just go in that line and talk to three people, get quotes and then write a story based on those quotes. Doesn't have to be a good story. Just like, Go talk to three people and write it, uh, David. I have interviewed like extremely famous people. I've I've talked to James Cameron. I ha- I've I've run the gamut. I don't think there still. I get anxious thinking about that assignment that I did when I was twenty years old to just walk up to a line and talk to strangers. I that like gives me anxiety thinking about it now. <laughs> and so, like, it's part of why I find the show so personally remarkable is because I do not think I could do anything that John Wilson just like so confidently, like walking up to strangers and talking to them. Absolutely not. I like to be in my box of like, I've booked a time to talk to a person for 15 minutes about a topic and think goodbye. <laughs> um, and it's just a, a remarkable character feat um, because I just cannot see it in myself. And to watch someone do that over the course of three seasons was just, I just found it personally remarkable.
1: I'm going to get real personal here and say that I feel like that's actually something I'm really good at is going up to random strangers and talking to them about stuff. But it's something that I just don't do anymore, especially since Basically, since the election of Donald Trump, since COVID, yep. those are things that have really discouraged me from going up to random people. Um, reports of uh, random people running up to Asian people on the streets and caving their head in. Uh, that is not something that like, makes me feel like I should be putting myself out there to people I don't know. You know what I mean? Sure. Plus, yeah, totally plus understandable. the collapse of civil society that we're <laughs> seem to be witnessing on a daily basis right now. It's just like, uh, but it's, it's too bad because I, I used to love doing this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, interviewing random people doing man on the street interviews. Like, I love doing that stuff. Um, but it just feel I don't I don't I'm not in a mental state where that feels like the safest thing to do right now, which is why I feel uh like the show is so brave in many ways. Because he's just being like, Hey, can I come over to your house? Can I um can I do this? Can I do that? And he just kind of inserts himself in these situations that I would have a lot of difficulty doing now. I guess I'm saying I have that spirit in me. Yeah, uh, but I'm doing it less these days because I feel like society has changed around me. Um. Anyway, just some just some assorted thoughts on that topic.
0: But I would I would be uh, curious, like how much edited host, like hostility is edited out of mm, the show? Y- yeah, you just have to imagine, despite the fact that so often he is approaching subjects that um I'm not surprised. I, I guess I'm not surprised that they'd be okay with talking to someone, and and he is disarming. But you have to imagine over the course of three seasons that people have gotten upset and wanted the camera not in there. F- and I'm just, I'm, I'm so curious how, how does he handle deescalating that? Like, what are those, what are those situations been like? Because you just, just like by sheer number of people he's talked to, there have to have been situations that
1: went awry or wrong. Um, and didn't yeah. make sense. The biggest one from the season, apparently was he shot all this footage at Burning Man. Right. He's uh, so that he, mad. I like, that he, I thought yeah. that was
0: hilarious that he left, left in, shit talking like the, this other production right. company and how personally disappointed you because it'd be very easy to leave that out but i thought especially as part of a, a season that was getting more intimate about himself and process yeah and being a creative i was i thought it was really cool and also like made you feel horrible for like what was probably a bunch of really amazing stuff on the cutting you room can floor. imagine
1: he probably shot 50 you know 100 hours of footage and you just basically couldn't use it all so it, it but got to be really frustrating uh, all right Patrick Clopic any other moments from this season that stick out to you we talked about the vacuum cleaner uh, we've talked about the final episode with the Alcor guy who uh, castrated himself uh, you know one other moment that really stick uh, there's a couple there's actually I would say three more moments that really stick out to me I don't know if we can get to them all but one of them I'll say was uh, the gentleman at the foot the, the at the baseball game. There's this guy at the baseball game. Oh God, yes! Who is like covered in all this baseball memorabilia, and when you go to a baseball, you kind of you recognize this guy. There's like somebody who's a fanatic who has like an LED light display, and you know, go sports team, whatever it is, right? And you would pass that person and maybe try to like avoid that person because you're like, oh, that person's a little <laughs> bit, if you were, intense. if you saw them at the ball game, you'd be like, that person's a little bit too intense for me. Uh And then John Wilson goes to his house and you realize that he is taking care of his, you, you, I mean, you see his house is like tons of memorabilia, which makes sense, but you see that he's also caring for his dad. Right. And he's taking care of his ailing father. And, uh and again, it just goes to that point of it, this show invites you to experience people in their fullness. That person would be kind of a cartoon idea to you if you saw them at a ball game, but you go to their house and it's and they immediately become a full human. Uh, and that part just really struck me of how everyone has a story. Everyone has things that humanize them. You just might not be able to see them. So, well, yeah, uh, and it's
0: yeah. Uh, it does a great job. And I think that's one of the better examples of it. But uh, like it has reveals. It has sort of like, huh like sort of like oh like moments like that's and it does it in editing right where um it like oh yeah like my dad's downstairs and like you cut and it cuts to that and it's it's a dramatic cut that like works in the sense of a reveal but in a not in a shocking way and more just like a like a heartwarming interesting way like the, the way it uses the form of editing to uh elicit emotion like is different than the way we commonly see it in like film cuz there's no musical accompaniment to sort of there's no dramatic violins to go with us to to sort of like tell us how to feel but they still manage to do that with a with a camcorder that's being handheld at, like a lower like he always seems like yeah. he's holding it like like lower down by his by his waist as opposed to like up on his, yeah. On his shoulder yeah which is a very yeah. unique
1: perspective that you don't associate with holding a, a camera it's like he it's like his part of his body basically it's like it's yeah. like a part of his body and it's it's an inconspicuous part of his body i think and it's that's... Part,
0: i think it's got to be part of what disarms people is yeah. that yeah. there is something about holding your hand up having something on your shoulder right. versus it's down and just holding it on your hands right you, when you're looking at someone that's holding a camera on their shoulder, your look, your eye goes to the camera. If you're yeah. looking at, if someone approaches you yeah, and, and they're the holding down a camera
1: at, their, at, yeah, at their, you torso, might glance, you might glance yeah, exactly, at it. But yeah. you're,
0: you're, you're going to be drawn to their eyes first, which may help inform why people trust him yeah. because you're looking at a person as opposed to the camera at shoulder level is going to invoke the sort of like gawking intrusive uh, feel of, of what a camera can sometimes convey.
1: Yeah. Really great point. And you can see what Patrick is describing, When you look at the promo images of the show, like in most of those shots, he doesn't have the camera up to his face. He has it kind of down near his waist. Um, Second moment that I just wanted to mention, you know, we talked about how the show plays with the format. The biggest example is the how to watch birds. Uh, The car blows up at the end. And he kind of makes this point about how sometimes inventing things is not bad. Because it gives you a surprise in life. And I was I was like, oh, this is the first time when the show is really starting to show us what's behind the curtain. And I guess I was curious how you felt about that episode. Did you see that he consulted with Steven Soderbergh for that episode? Yeah, he 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 kind of wanted it to be like a, a Soderbergh-esque a thriller. thriller. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was I thought that was I thought
0: it was really delightful. Like I you know, again, as as that's as the season goes on and it's kind of playing with form and you can see how Wilson is developing an arc for not just the episode but kind of closing the book on the show as, as a whole i i enjoyed this of like i mean writing concert with that is the moment where you know he goes to the emmys and you know quote unquote, loses to to john oliver um uh i don't know if they're in the same category but like he doesn't win for whatever he was he was up for um can't get (laughs) to the to the after party because they can't find um his name uh even though there's a big poster for the show like i i really enjoy like there is there's obviously a intimacy to the entire show and how it reflects john wilson's personality but you also by season three he's acknowledging the show within the show which is like the show exists in the world people are reacting to it i'm getting elevated in stature to some degree as a result and then in in some ways that's influencing the work and and it feels like he's spending time unpacking that and how that influences the form as the season goes on that i thought in some ways must contribute to why he felt like it was time for it to go um was just sort Mm. of like being a a random fly on the wall, like that becomes harder and harder. The more
1: people know that you're the fly. Yeah. Well, that was actually the final moment I was going to bring up, Patrick, which is when he talks about the show and how it's impacted his life. And, uh, and it really struck me how he described feeling at the height of his success and still feeling deeply empty, you know, Uh, feeling like he had achieved everything he has achieved. What, Quirky, what any quirky documentarian <laughs> the heights the heights of what any quirky documentarian would ever want to achieve and still feeling like hey uh th- this is actually extremely lonely and i'm not happy with this you know I, that that really stuck with me because i think this is a point i need to remind myself of all the time that a lot of us think that when we get the thing, when we achieve the thing, when we get the girl, when we get the job, when we get the money, whatever thing that we're looking for, that that at that point we'll finally be happy. Um, And in fact, it often isn't as dependent on external circumstances as we think. And I just really appreciated that that episode was a stark reminder of that. So anyway, these are a few of the things that I take away from this season of the show. Humanity's fullness, its depth, its randomness. Um, Patrick Klepek, anything else you want to highlight from the season as we wrap it up here today?
0: Uh, you know, this is a moment from a previous season, but it's something that I thought was the show did uh, very well a number of times less so this season, but it was the uh, How to Put Up Scaffolding, which is uh, teaches you a lot about the architectural history of New York City um, and illustrates it in a way that like really like makes it land. And we're like, I'm sure you could look up a Wikipedia entry for scaffolding and get a sense of how it works like on some broad level. But the way the show like at its best was able to tell a story of why a thing is the way it is like was so incredibly powerful for something that seems as innocuous is as why, why is this thing above my head? Like the kind of banal observation that we all have about so many things in life. and. One of the things I like about being a journalist is that I, I like when people write in and have a question and they don't have a way of answering it, but like I do, or I can try. And what I found really beautiful about How to a John Wilson was like, it's the same sort of practice. Like there's a lot of journalism that is happening in this show in which it's taking a basic question and finding an answer for you, but weaving it to, together with a like f- surprisingly powerful narrative like leaves you with a story about the thing, as opposed to just the facts of the thing. It's like as, as powerful as Wikipedia is, and I'm glad it exists. Like it, it rarely leaves you with an emotional story, like, cause you're just kind of reading things on a page and Wilson stuff. Um, I always liked when it was kind of bigger picture in that regards. Like, what is this saying about the world around us, the city around us, the buildings around us? And, and that, like that episode, despite being in a previous season, um, I, I always loved when the show could answer kind of like basic questions like that with such, such a good punch.
1: Yeah. Uh, the episode, uh, uh, about scaffolding was called the best half hour comedy of 2020 by the New York times. So well, definitely go. check that ep- that episode out. As I well, agree. But... And New York times. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Uh, well, those are our thoughts on how to with John Wilson season three. Let us know what you thought. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and of course find us across all platforms at decoding TV. You can find Patrick Klepek's work at crossplay.news and also check out his podcast, Remap Radio, which I listen to regularly, really enjoying their Starfield coverage. Uh and uh you can look forward to our coverage of Ahsoka via a mini podcast episode. Very really curious. How people enjoy the format, so be sure to email us at decodingtvgmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, And also, we'll be covering One Piece next week right here on This Week in Streaming and Decoding TV. He is Patrick Klepek. I am David Chen. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad.
0: High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.